This man is on a mission and his mission has been to meet the needs of others in lands far, far away. How about Africa for you? Hey, welcome back to yet another episode of the Terry Summers Podcast. As many of you may know, just from listening to me for a while now, I have a history um, of working with, or a past or whatever experience, uh, working with young youths. Um, student age people from uh, long ago, actually, but I still do it. But I was quite involved um, and on staff in a creative capacity at a relatively large church, um, Community Church of Joy, for many, many years, and then went on to be with Community of Grace after that. But part of my role in that was to work with um, the creative arts department and Um, I had really an honor of my lifetime to have many years logged with students in performing groups where we would um, take them on tour after creating a show for them, an original piece. From that, though, I built relationships with these teenagers that are now not teenagers anymore. And I am so blessed to have these human beings in my life. And I have one here with me today that um, I was inspired to invite uh, onto the podcast. I saw some um, photos on Facebook where he had uh, taken his family um, abroad and I just needed to know more about what he was doing. I knew his interests when he was a young a young man, but those heartfelt interests and tugs when he was a young man have really turned into a thing. And he's inspiring and he is changing our world. I can't wait for you to meet John Coughlin. There's a little bossy lady that tells me all the time that this meeting is being recorded. Did you hear her? I just heard her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not crazy about her. I appreciate the role that she serves in the uh, podcast world, but she has a little tone. I'm not real happy. (laughs) John Conklin, we just had a moment to just say hey, but I have not seen your face in um, hmm, a good eight eight years. Yeah, that's right. At least. No, more than that, maybe, but I'm just going to say eight for sure, because eight year anniversary is coming up and I don't, I don't believe I've seen you since I got married, but I think it's even longer than that. I'll venture to say it's probably closer to 10. But I think that's right. Are, um, I'll probably embarrass you a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> um, you are a honey bunny. Now, I know for mm-hmm. a, a middle-aged woman to call you a honey bunny, and actually I'm older than that even, but I will always slightly lie to myself. But um, it's probably gross to hear that. But you are just sweet. A person that's just sweet. Not a pushover. You have this strength about you, but it's this quiet, strong, sweet presence. And I am so tickled that you're here with me today for so many reasons. One, I just, I I met you when you were a teenager. And um, for those that listen to this podcast, I, they, they know, but I'll just refresh 
the memory of them and anyone who doesn't know, I had a good, lovely season in my life where I worked with a lot of young people, a lot of teens, student-aged ministry um, through a church called Community Church of Joy. And um, I worked alongside a girlfriend by the name of Bev Alltop and, and other people too. But in that, I had an opportunity to become friends with um, you and uh, a, a host of others. One, Brian Cole, who helps produce my podcast. And um, I've just been able to stay there in that space with you for these years. I might not see you, but it's super weird because you are, you were then and still are younger than me, but it was like um, friendships were formed out of that time, even though you were a generation away from me, a good generation away. And I just feel that's so cool for me, you know, for me to have these really awesome younger people in my life that do really fun and cool, powerful things. So um, I want you just to tell us a little bit about yourself. And I, I mean, how old were you when I met you? Do you remember? Oh, I was just a a sweet little honey bunny. What did you call me? A honey bunny? I called you a honey bunny, which I really yeah. think would be like your hashtag or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That should be my, my Twitter handle. I, maybe not. That might get me some weird attention. Yes, um, probably would. Yeah, I was in high school, um, probably a, a sophomore or junior in high school. So just the, just the baby. Uh, but man, I was thinking about um, that time in life. I mean, obviously, because we're going to have this this conversation. And so I was getting pretty nostalgic uh, thinking about that time. And um, and I've, I went back and I listened to your your interview with Tom Eggum, um, who was involved with everything going on uh, during that that time of life as well. And and man, Tom was Tom was my hero. Like I wanted to be Tom Eggum. So it was really fun to listen to your conversation with Tom and hear all those, those old stories. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been a while to be Tom Eggum because really you guys are running in a similar lane, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, so Tom was my hero. I wanted to be Tom. Um, but man, I really, I had a lot of insecurity, uh, in, in my life. Um, especially like in, in high school, uh, in, in college, um, young adult life, just because I had this, like, so I went on my first trip with Tom to, to Russia in 1992. And that was my first like real experience with like international, um, ministry, um, and, and trying to make a, an impact on a global level. And man, I love that experience so much. Um, but, uh, and then I looked at Tom and, and his life and everything that he did and his, his adventures. Um, and, and so I, I wanted to be him, but I knew that I wasn't like, I wasn't Tom. Like I didn't, I didn't have the same backstory as Tom didn't have the same kind of charisma that, that Tom had his ability to, to speak in front of a group. Like that's just wasn't my, um, my skill set, And so I kind of had this idea of who I wanted to be, but not really thinking I could ever be that, which is right. Like I could never be Tom Egham because that's not who God made me to be. 
like I am, I am God's masterpiece. Um, and, and he's put me together in this, this special way to do the good things that he's planned for me to do. Uh, and they're different than Tom. Um, but you're right. Like looking back at the things that God has allowed me to do in life, there's so many similarities um, to what uh, experiences that, that Thomas has had, even to the point where now we both have ministries in, in Africa, um, in neighboring countries. Um, and, uh, and they're similar in a lot of ways, but they're also, they're also unique. Um, and, and I bring my own, my own set of gifts to, to that. But um, in, in fact, after the first time I, I went to Africa, so I went to, to Africa in 2008, uh, to Uganda, and I was working with a ministry that did trauma care. And so we would go to places in the world that have been through crisis, um, either war, disaster, uh, and we come alongside schools, churches, community wow. leaders, and, and we train them to use some basic trauma therapy skills. So just really what it came down to is how to talk to a wounded person without hurting them. So really, that's all, all it came down to. Um, and so, but the, the first time I, I went, we were in Northern Uganda and they had gone through this terrible uh, war. Um, there was this rebel group, um, they were kidnapping kids and forcing them to be child soldiers. Um, the Lord's Resistance Army is what, what they were called. And um, if you've seen the movie Blood Diamond, there's this really terrible storyline of this like kid who becomes a, a child soldier. Um, so that gives you a good picture of what, what it's like. So anyways, that was my first trip to Africa. And, uh, man, it was like, it crushed me. Uh, I came back with shingles. I was so stressed. Um, and, uh, just to hear these stories of, of these kids. Um, and there, John, sorry, we, we were just there for, for a couple of weeks. Uh, and so again, our, our focus was, was training leaders. Um, so we, we had some training time with the leaders and then we did like a trauma camp with kids. So the idea was to, to give these, um, our, our train, the students that we had trained to give them some practical application. And so, um, they'd have the, you know, the training seminars and then we go work with kids and we, we'd kind of model some of the things that, that we were, we were teaching. Um, but man, these kids, their stories, like they're just, you can't imagine the things that, that these kids had gone through. Um, and, and the kids this time that we were working with were, um, they were abandoned by, by their villages. So they had been uh, kidnapped, taken, forced to become child soldiers, forced to do these horrific acts. Um, if they didn't do them, they would either be, they'd be beaten, um, they'd be killed by, by other kids. Uh, and so they were really, they were forced to do horrific things. Uh, and then if they what's were... Their, what's the age range you're talking about? So anywhere from, from seven or eight um, to, you know, 15, 16 years oh. old. So, yeah, so, so terrible. Um, but then if they were able to escape uh, and try to return to the vill villages, the villages wouldn't, wouldn't take them back um, because of the things that, that they had done. Uh, and so there was this group of 200 kids and they were, um, they were street kids. They were living in this, um, the shelter, which wasn't much of a shelter. It was just, it was just this fenced in area. Um, and, uh, and so we spent this week with these kids and it was, it was awful. Uh, when I was done, uh, so stressed, I got shingles. Um, 
and I just didn't ever want to go back to Africa. Um, so, but I was, I was living in LA at the time. Um, and my family still lived in, in Phoenix. And I heard that, that Tom uh, was going to be speaking at, at Joy Christian School. Uh, and so um, knowing that, that Tom had just begun a, a ministry in, in Africa as well, um, I don't know, he just felt like, like this is the guy that I need to go talk to. Um, just because he had been my, my mentor, I'd done so much ministry with him. I remember uh, when we were, because we were doing a lot of uh, work in, in Russia, Romania, um, and I remember him saying even at that time that he would never go to Africa. Um, that he just didn't want to work in, in Africa. And so to know that he was, I thought, I just, I, I got to talk to Tom. And so I, um, we drove over to, to Phoenix and uh, I heard him share with the, the kids at, at Joy. Uh, and then uh, I met with him afterwards and I couldn't get two words out before I just was, just broke down weeping just because I, I couldn't even describe, you know, w- what I had seen. Uh, and he just, he just like nodded and was like, yeah, I get it. It's, it's tough. Um, and yeah. So, so anyways, uh, love that guy. Love, love him. And I love the fact that in your heart, in your spirit, you needed to go connect with him because there was already this connection, obviously from years gone by, but then, um, he was there to receive what, you know what I mean? Like you had yeah. somebody that just could nod and say, yes, I know, because I'm yeah. sure I'm hearing your story, but I have, and it breaks my heart to hear it, but I know I can't get my mind around it. You know what I mean? Not really. Yeah. And to know yeah. that you experienced that and just that your body had to even release the stress through something that's painful yeah. jingles, you know what yeah. I mean? I mean that says so much. So following that visit with Tom, what did that do for you when you had someone kind of affirm and look you in the eye and you knew that he knew and it walked, he, he got it and he was still standing in front of you. And, right. You know, he's a, he, well, he's a powerful speaker, you know, yes. in, in just his honesty, you know, with all yeah. ages, I traveled a little bit with him as well. Um, uh, for those of you that are listening, he, it, you can go back if you didn't get a chance to listen to the episode. It was Tom Egham, and he has a organization, Hope for Kids International. But um, go check out that ep- episode, and you can yeah. get caught up to speed. But anyway, after looking at him eyeball to eyeball, and I'm glad, and you were back home, quote unquote, because your yeah. extended your folks, your family, you're from yeah. uh, Arizona, right? Yes, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Um, but kind of looking back, uh, cause I, I never, I haven't thought about it in those terms, like what that, that did for me, but kind of looking back at, um, what we would train when we were doing trauma therapy training. Um, we always talked about the, the power of, of presence and the, the ministry of presence and just that it's the most powerful thing that you have to offer somebody who's hurting. Um, it's just to be there with them. Um, so often we want to, we want to say something to make them feel better. I mean, you, you know, you're, you're one who has experienced uh, pain in, in life. And so, um, you know, that there's nothing that anybody can say to you that that's going to make it feel better, uh, or, or make you feel better. You, nobody can take away the, the pain. Um, but just to have somebody who's willing to be there with you in it, that's, that's everything. 
that's everything. And so I think that's what it was. Um, yeah. Tom didn't have to say anything to share any, any words of wisdom, but just to, just to be with him um, and him to really be with me. And, and just the, <clears throat> the quality of his presence, like, like he was really there. He wasn't right. thinking about anything else. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't preoccupied. Uh, he was just really there to, to receive what I, what I had, which wasn't anything but, but tears. Like I said, I couldn't say a word, but he was just there to, to receive it. And, um, and that's, that's powerful. Uh, and that's what we used to train. And now looking back, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. That so. is so cool. <clears throat> I mean, you received, uh, you experienced what it is you are trained to train others. In. Right. That's right. How did that then, as you look back, cause I'm sure it did makes, make an impact on where you went from there. So it, it allowed me to, to continue to go to Africa. Uh, and so we continued to partner with this, this group in, in Northern Uganda. Um, I would, I would go back two or three times a year to do, do more training, um, to do these, these trauma care camps. Um, and the really <clears throat> remarkable thing uh, about that experience with, with this group is, is those former child soldiers, um, eight years later, they were, they were ministering to other former child soldiers. They were um, becoming healers uh, for other kids in the community that had experienced trauma. And the, the best thing that, that happened, and this, this happened the year after I left, left Karakor. Um, I had this, my very last trip to Uganda, uh, I was talking to one of my colleagues and I said, oh, wouldn't it be so great if we could take this group of Ugandans and we could take them to Rwanda because that's where I work now. And um, my friend, my friend um, Todd Ellingson has had a ministry there, City of Joy um, in Rwanda. And I said, wouldn't it be great if we could take these Ugandans to Rwanda and they could train the teachers in, in Rwanda um, to do, you know, this, this kind of ministry. And that, I know. So that didn't happen. But what did happen was that group of Ugandans did go to Southern Uganda um, to where this ministry that, that works with street kids. And those former child soldiers were now training um, a team working with, with street kids in, in Kampala. So just to, know, to see that, that radical transformation uh, was so, so powerful. Um, and I've just come that whole experience working with, um, with CareCore, uh, it just really reinforced, um, this thing, thing that I knew in, intellectually, um, you know, being growing up, uh, in the church and, uh, knowing that, that God is a God of, of redemption and, and reconciliation and restoration. Like I, I knew that based on stories that I had read in, in the Bible, um, even he hearing stories from, from Tom. Um, but that whole experience with Karakor really, it made it real to me that, <clears throat> that God is in fact, the God of, of, of restoration, that he, he takes broken things and he not only makes them whole, but he makes them better, um, than, than they were. So anyway. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Right before your very eyes, essentially. I mean, yeah. You, you know, as I'm listening to you speak, I'm thinking, um, and, and not in a, in a way to critique anything else, but what a, what a powerful 
um, testimony for, for lack of a, a better word. I think it's a good word, but, um, to, to see what you invest your life in an individual to see the, um, the, the fruits of it, you know, like so yeah. often we don't get to do that. Um, yeah. and I understand that the, the, the impact and the wear and tear on you as a person the, is is greater, but I'm wondering if then the blessing of the payoff, quote unquote, of yeah. seeing it passed on and and um and the fruits of it, you know, I yeah. mean, that's just I like I was moved hearing you say that to say eight years later you're seeing this group. I mean, that's just that's crazy cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that so, is, I go ahead. But, I mean, you know that too from your, your own life. I mean, you, we started this conversation talking about um, all the, the people that you've been, that the kids that are now not kids anymore. Um, by the way, I have a 20 year old. Can you believe no, that? No, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah. So anyways, um, we can talk about Oh my goodness. next. But what I want to say is, you, Bev, Tom, all these leaders that were, you know, involved in my, my youth, like this also is because of you. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm involved in, in this kind of work today because when we were kids, um, we were in this choir performing arts group and we were traveling around the country, which by the way, I'm not musical. I would lip sync half the time, um, <laughs> but I just wanted to be a part of this this group that was it was traveling around the country um serving uh and sharing a, a message of love and and hope um yeah but you were you were a part of that and you were pouring into us uh and there are so many now who are like you said doing um great things and and world changing things uh in the world and so um so you can know that there are former child soldiers in Uganda training people to care for broken hearts because of what you invested okay, 30, so no, not 30 years right ago. Here. I already yeah. talked <laughs> once with you before I press record and I thought I got it out of my system, but I thank you. Okay, so my audience knows I cry. I'm just going to cry. Um, I thank you for that, just pulling that together. I wasn't looking for that to come from you in any kind of compliment or, 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 or comment to me because I was really so engaged in what you were doing. But that's, um, that's such a gift to hear you say that. And that is for, for folks that aren't faith oriented people that hear me share about my faith. That's how I know God to work. He, mm -hmm. he gifts us and he gives us, um, what we need just when we need to hear it. And, and not that I'm in a lull or a down place, but as so many folks have been, it's been a really interesting and rough season with COVID and, and, uh, and then just personally, Jonathan and I, um, you, you know, he, he went through, uh, an accident a handful of years mm -hmm. ago. So I mean, we're good. We're good. Don't get me wrong. But, but, to know, but I can, I feel, um, I have this plant in my, in my kitchen and the soil starts to look, um, I forget it for some reason. And it's right there in front of me. 
all the time, which is another <laughs> metaphor. Sometimes we ignore the things right there. Mm -hmm. But the soil starts to look really, really dry. And I take it and I put, ah, I put it underneath that faucet and watch the soil just abs absorb mm -hmm. water. And it becomes this um, moist, tender, um, ready to give again soil yeah. and when hearing something like that said back to me that's how i feel and that's why i'm crying right now but um i did i just thank you for saying that uh that's powerful and i can't wait till bev hears this and i will <laughs> get off the phone but continue because you are you're you're in the throes so just continue tell me the rest of the story uh you people hanging on your every word yeah <laughs> um the rest of the story man i'm <clears throat> i'm not sure what the rest of the story is because we're you know we're in it still um so now i work with with city of joy rwanda um and uh city of joy R rwanda was started by actually a um a, a guy that used to work at the church that we <laughs> that we all met at Correct. Um, in fact, when I was in junior high, he was the, one of the, the youth leaders. And so, um, so I've known him for, for a long time, uh, but he started a, a, a school in, in Rwanda and, uh, it's a, in this really poor area of, of the country. Um, you know, Rwanda, you may know, uh, went through this terrible genocide, uh, 25 years ago. Um, and they're still coming out from, from, a, under that and uh it was a really uh, a terrible time um but, but god is at at work restoring uh that that country but um it's really poor still uh and um it's an area that we call extreme poverty so uh kids don't have access to um to clean drinking water um to adequate nutrition medical care uh, education um and so uh, so it's a really poor area. And so they, they started the school. Uh, well, they start, first they started a vocational school to try to, you know, equip uh, mothers um, with some skills that, that, so that they could generate income for their, their families. Cool. Um, and then they started caring for the kids uh, of the, these mothers. So they started a, like a preschool. Um, then as those kids grew, they um, started a kindergarten. Uh, and then next thing they knew, they were starting a, a school. Uh, and so now there's wow. a, um, a primary school that is for, for uh, preschool through sixth grade. And, uh, uh, but that was hard work for them to, to launch this, um, this really wonderful ministry. Uh, and so they, uh, a couple of years ago, they moved back to the, the States. And um, I was, uh, had worked a, a long time um, in, in ministry, working in churches, working with nonprofits. Um, and, and really had a, a wonderful time uh, doing that that kind of work. But um, when I left CareCore, there was a, a period of time where I didn't know what I was going to do with with myself. I was looking for, okay, what's the the next ministry? Um, and uh, and it was a, a really challenging time for me because you know, like like I said, when I was younger, I wanted to be Tom Eggum, uh, and uh, and I really got my identity wrapped up in this idea that that John is the the missions guy that John goes around the world and John um, does uh, you know helps uh, all, all around the world and so I 
like that's who John was to, to me. Uh, when I didn't have that, I really kind of spiraled um, uh, emotionally. I, it, was, it was a very challenging um, period for me. Uh, so I, I worked with my brother's remodeling uh, company. I drove Uber uh, for a while. Um, I sold solar for a while. Uh, and then I ended up um, working with this, this painting company uh, here in, in Phoenix. Um, and then toward the end of that, I even started a window washing company. So you'd think like this was 10 years, but really it was only uh, about four or five years. Where I had so I really couldn't find what I, what I was supposed to be doing. But the great thing that, that happened in, in all of that was um, I was able to untangle in some ways my identity from being um, John, the, the missions guy, um, and, uh, and just got comfortable just being John, the, the child of God. Uh, and it's a, it's a struggle. It's a, a constant struggle to remember that, that my identity isn't wrapped up in, in what I do and the stories that, that I gather and, and, and what I have, but my identity is just being a child of God, being God's masterpiece. Um, and man, my perspective on life is so much better when I, I remember that. Um, but I have to constantly be reminding my, myself of that. So anyways, um, when I was doing all of those weird jobs, um, Todd moved back from, from Rwanda and we ended up working at the same painting company together. And, um, we're driving around and just talking about his experience. And, and I think in a lot of ways I was able to be that, um, just that caring presence for him, uh, as he would, he would share about his uh, experience in, in R Rwanda. Um, shortly before that, though, Black Panther came out. Remember that great movie, that Marvel movie? Um, and uh, I watched it. Um, and when it was over, uh, oh, I still get a little bit emotional, which is so weird because it's a superhero movie. But I just started weeping when that, that movie ended. Um, because, and this is, so this was during the house painting time. It was before Todd and Andrea even came back from, from Rwanda. And I was like, God, what is going on with me? Why, like, why is this superhero movie, like, making me like this? Um, and it's so, it's so weird. It feels silly to say this. And my family makes fun of me all the time because I cry at, at Black Panther. Um, but I just ha had this sense that, like, that this is what Africa is supposed to be. Like, like Africa is, there's so much great resource in this continent um, and the world needs it. Um, and I think that's what, what in, the, in these last couple of years I've, I've come to, to realize is that, um, that all the work that, that I'm doing in, in Rwanda, it's not to help poor Rwandans who, who need, need the help. They do. They do need help. They need people to come alongside them. But what I'm doing is I'm empowering them to, to be what the world needs. Um, to, um, wow. I, I'm empowering them to realize that they are God's masterpiece also and that, that God has great things for them to do uh, in, in the world. Um, and I think that's what God's heart is for, at least for our little school in, in R Rwanda. Um, is that 
that th- these kids are, are his masterpiece and that he is equipping them to become world changers. Um, so it's like, the, it's like what you did for me, Terry. Um, you equipped me to go and do, and now I get to do the same for, for these kids. Um, so anyways, one thing led to another and we ended up coming, coming alongside City of Joy. Um, at first I thought we were gonna end up living in, in Rwanda. Um, but after we, we visited the first time, uh, I realized that they didn't need another couple from America coming and, and living there and, and telling them, you know, how to, how to do things. They had a great foundation from what Todd and Andrea had, had laid. Um, but now it was time for, for this team to, um, to really take over ownership. Uh, and so for most of the first year, <laughs> um, my conversations with, with our team there, they would bring a problem and, um, you know, looking for a solution. And I would just say, oh, well, what do you think we should do? <laughs> um, and a lot of our conversations were around that, just kind of giving it, giving it back to them. And COVID, COVID has been the best uh, for that because, um, sorry, my son's just walking into the garage. You know, you think there's one safe place. Um, but here he comes. He's probably looking for a snack or something. Oh, okay. he can, hey, we need to say he can. Have, it's snack time. No, he now he's running. Parks and ask for snacks. <laughs> now he's running away. Okay. Um. Uh, but yeah, so COVID oh, was the best mm-hmm. because we couldn't travel there. There was a for a year we couldn't go and visit, and so we were doing we all of our stuff. That format then, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um. So, you know, some good things came out of, of that. No, bud, you can't pop popcorn right now. I'm in a meeting. Terry had to turn off her AC so we could have this conversation. We definitely can't have popcorn, popcorn. going. <laughs> I, hear, I hear all of my listeners saying, pop the popcorn. Right. All right. Terry gives your permission. Pop, what? Let me see. Can he? All right. Here's, here's Mateo. Hi. You pop that popcorn. I don't think I know you. I, I don't think my I sound you. was not right. Say that again. I said I don't think I know you. Have we we haven't met? I don't think right? you know him either. Hold on. Yeah, this is Mateo. Hi, Mateo. I am your dad's friend from a long time ago, and we're doing a podcast. I know that you're super interested in this. I can totally tell. Um, we're doing a podcast. But I'm so glad I got a chance to meet you. What, what, what do you say? Which of your children do I know? I don't know. How many do you have? I have three kids. Um, I'm not sure. You probably met um, Rock and Shekinah. Yes. Um, and, but Mateo was actually born when we were, um, after the last time we saw each other. So. Okay. okay. Yes, you can. All right. He's not going to pop popcorn, but he's going to watch Phineas and Ferb. So, you know, and the funny thing is there's another parent in this house that he could have gone and found to talk to, but. Right. But he has you. Um, that's and right. Interesting going on. So. Yeah. yeah. How old is Mateo? So anyway. How old is Mateo? Mateo is nine. Okay. Um, Shekinah is 15. Rock is 20. And yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. No. I mean, I'm freaked out over that. I totally am freaked out. Time, that's crazy. Yeah. 20. Yeah. Cute. And you know what? Parenting a 20-year-old, it's, 
it's nothing like parenting a, a, a nine-year-old. Like these are, these are, it's way harder. Like I used to, I used to think like, oh, it's going to be great when my kids are adults, you know, cause like little kids are a lot of work. You know, you're, you're always getting snacks, you're whatever, you're entertaining, all of that. But man, it's hard to transition to parenting an adult. And I realized like, you're never done parenting. Like, like even my, even my parents who are, my dad's 80, like he still parents me. It's different, but he still is providing that, that guidance. Like I know he still worries about the decisions that, that we make. Um, it's just, yeah, it, you're always, always a parent anyway. Um, well, and as I'm thinking about just when I met you, so Rock is older than when I met you. Yes. So it's like, it's just an interesting <laughs> thing to like consider that that's where you are. I mean, I know that watching some of you guys mature and grow and have your own families, um, I still see you in that teenager role in part, not yeah. totally, because I, I'm able to, you know, absorb all that you are now but it's just so it's so quickly my mind adjusted to the fact shoot you know rock is older than when i met john and just the process of hearing you then say yeah. the parenting part so um though i don't have children i've been around and in the lives of so many students i I do get enough of when people tell me things about yeah. parenting that i i think you guys are just amazing parents that do what you guys do <laughs> because it's just uh you know it's 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 releasing another human being into their own and it's amazing yeah um so you guys just got back from a trip that i saw posted on on um, yes. facebook you want to talk about that a little bit we yeah minutes i told you i'd get you in and out before, in, yeah. in an hour but we have a couple still okay um, yeah, so the first time um, ever I was able to take my, my kids, the, the youngest, so uh, Mateo uh, and Shekinah, to Africa with me. And I had been wanting to do this, um, not since my first trip, but since my second trip to, to Africa. Uh, I just had this, this picture of my kids running around um, these, these fields with, um, with the African kids. And I always thought it was going to be Uganda, but... Um, uh, it was it was R Rwanda, and it was a I mean it was an answer to to ten years of of prayers. Um, so yeah, it was it was great to to see that. Uh, it wasn't easy for them. Um, you know, they got my kids don't love attention, um, so and they got a lot of it um, because okay. they're they're different. Um, so we would walk onto the playground, and just a swarm of kids uh, would come around uh, and just stand there. Um, looking at them waiting for them to, to do something uh just because you know they are our kids at, at city of joy they don't get a lot of a lot of visitors um especially now during during covid um and so it was just to see a to see another nine-year-old there on the playground with with them who looked completely different uh that was that was strange for our our students um and of course mateo didn't didn't like it one bit um because it was it was too much attention uh -huh. um, and so I was, I was nervous uh, about how they were going to be, you know, taking all of this, this in. Um, but man, I got a, a tear in my eye on our, our last morning there when Mateo woke up and 
he said he was sad to leave. So oh, I thought, oh, that's like, that's good. Uh, and then she kind of said, said the same. And I just told her, oh, I'm, I'm so glad you're sad right now. <laughs> so that's it, uh, a good sign. yeah, it got into their, their hearts. Um, so it was, it was really special, a very special time for, for us. And how do you and your wife, do you, do you team up and work together or, or is she a supporting force and she has her own thing? Yeah, she's got, she has her own thing. She's a, a sixth grade English teacher. Um, and so that's her, that's her deal. And, um, and she works hard at it, but she, she is so supportive, um, of, of what we do at, at City of Joy. Um, and she's ready to move there as soon as, as soon as God says, yeah, let's, let's go. Um, but, uh, she's a very wise woman. Uh, and so, you know, I'll talk about the things going on. Uh, and she just, her perspective is, is so good. Um, and kind of when I feel like I'm, I'm spinning out or feeling, feeling stressed about all that that's going on. Um, she's kind of able to offer just a, a few words to, to kind of bring me back to, um, to reality and, and the right, right perspective on, on things. Uh, and of course she loves, she loves our teachers. She loves our, our kids. Um, we sponsor kids. Um, actually we sponsor a kid through, through hope for kids through, uh, Tom's organization. And we've got one of our, uh, we sponsor a kid here, uh, at, at city of joy also. So, um, she's, uh, yeah, she, she loves it. Um, and I think she wishes she could do more. Uh, but she's, she does have her, her own thing. Yeah. I'm sure this, this past year plus has been a challenge for her with the changes in the school and teaching and, and all of that too. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. But that, but, but just giving her skill set and the natural inclinations that she has as a teacher, should you ever find yourselves there for a length of season? What a great opportunity. Yeah. For her to instill all she knows and, and, and does every, every day in a school year. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. And she, um, the school that she works at, they, they have sent teams to, to city of joy, uh, as well. And so she's kind of that liaison, um, from between city of joy and, um, oh, really? Northwest Christian school. Yeah. So, uh, oh, and wow. she's, she does some professional development with her, our teachers in, in Rwanda as well. So she, does, I mean, she's got her, her, her piece that uh, she does for, for city of joy. Um, yeah. where can, and I will post this in the notes too, but for someone who's listening and has a moment to write it down, where can people go to learn more about city of joy? And in addition to that, support financially if they're able to. Yeah. So, uh, city of joy, Rwanda.org. Um, Rwanda is R W A N D A. Yes. Um, so city of joy, Rwanda.org. Um, and, um, yeah, there's a couple of ways that, that people can, can partner with us. Um, one is through a child sponsorship. Um, and so I, you know, my first experience in cross-cultural uh, ministry was was with Tom. I was a, a freshman uh, in high school, and we went to Russia. And uh, this was right as Russia began to to open up. Um, and Tom had been going there for years, um, supporting the church there, taking Bibles and uh, and supporting. He had begun to support hospitals that that were there. And and our first trip, we um, we just took 
bags and bags, like suitcases full of medical supplies um, uh, to these children's, children's hospitals. And, but um, for those us teenagers that, that went, uh, we stayed with Russian families uh, when we were there. So we had um, translators who were also teenagers, uh, Russian teenagers. They would, they would host us and we'd stay in, in their homes. And um, within a, a week um, of living with these, these families, we just became so close to these, these teenagers that by the time we were leaving, we were getting on a train to leave St. Petersburg to go to Moscow. We were just like all of us, Russians, Americans, we were just like weeping and hugging each other because we just didn't, didn't want to leave. Um, but what, so for me, ministry has always been about relationships. Um, and so uh, I, I learned at, at that, that time that um, to really make an impact, you have to, you have to do it with, with people. Um, you have to do it in relationship with, with people. And that's what we're trying to do with our, our child sponsorship. So, so people who live on the other side of the planet um, can enter into a, a real relationship with a, a kid um, in, in Rwanda, um, pray for that kid, send them letters of encouragement. And it's all online now. So it's really easy to send messages back and forth. Um, those kids pray for you. Um, they, they send you uh, notes of encouragement. And, um, and it, it becomes this real genuine friendship. And you get to watch these kids grow up and go through um, the grades. Uh, and, um, but also along with that, you're providing, um, you're providing for their education um, because these kids don't have access to, to good education. Um, you're able to provide that for them and you create this path out of poverty uh, for them. And so, um, it's a, it's a really powerful uh, experience. So uh, we have about 70 kids who aren't sponsored yet. So um, we could use some, some sponsorships. Uh, the other thing that's going on right now is our, our school only goes to sixth grade. Uh, after sixth grade, um, kids go to, um, well, for a lot of kids, that's where they end their, their education in, in Rwanda, uh, or they, they go to other schools uh, around the country. Um, and so we've, we just graduated our first class of, of sixth graders. And, um, and by the way, these kids are so bright. They have to take a national exam at the end of their sixth grade year. And, um, all of our kids passed the national exam and they scored in the two highest brackets, um, for, uh, in, in the country. So they're, they're so sharp. They're getting a great education, but now we're sending them to, to other schools. And after this, this last year, uh, we discovered that you know, the learning environments at these other schools isn't the same that they were getting at, at City of Joy. And so our teachers really feel this burden that we need to continue to seventh and, and eighth grade uh, and, and start a, a secondary school. And so that's kind of our, our big project um, moving forward. And in fact, that's what, um, when I was just in Rwanda a few weeks ago, we spent our whole time really trying to figure out, okay, how can we make this this next step and it's kind of uh it's kind of a big one so um if you've got you know seventy eighty thousand dollars terry you just want to send us a check we'll we'll take it and we'll launch uh terry summer's really uh, secondary school about seventy uh, or it it'll take four you know we, we've raised a, a little bit already but um we think for this this first phase um, of the, the secondaries. I think the, the whole thing is going to be about 500,000, um, to do everything that, that we want to do, but to get these, so our, our current, 
uh, seventh graders who are going into eighth grade and then our sixth graders who are going to be going in, into seventh grade. Uh, it'll be about about a hundred thousand for uh, to build that that next phase. That next phase. Um, and it's I mean that's huge. That's more than I mean it's it's taking a lot of faith for us to even sure. take take this step. But we really feel the burden that that's that this is where where we're going. So well, I am just trusting that having you on today um, that there's listeners that can contribute and who knows really, you know, I mean, what, what God's timing is, but we'll ask yeah. those of you that are listening, you know, you know, the good that's being done in this organization and the need and just the beautiful descriptions that John's been able to give. So if you are someone with whatever means that you have that you would like to share, we just trust that you make a connection. Um, and I will leave the information in the notes as well so they can just have something in front of them in case they didn't get a chance to jot this down. But one last question for you. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of our conversation, you commented on yourself and how you felt um, somewhat insecure as a, mm. as a young man. How do you feel about yourself now with all that you've experienced and what you've shared of your journeys? Uh, gosh, that's a good question. And, and it depends on the day, right? Um, because sometimes the soil is really dry, right? And, wow. and the plant that is John, uh, sometimes the, the soil is, is dry. Um, sometimes I, I feel overwhelmed by, um, by all that, that God has given. Uh, and I think, God, you've chosen the wrong guy for this. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not the one uh, for this. Um, but whenever I can remember that that's not my identity, um, that my identity is child of God, um, I feel great. Like, how could I not? Like, like if my father is the creator of the, the universe, um, if I believe him when he says that you're my masterpiece, how could I not feel great uh, about, about myself? Like there's nothing like there's nothing better than knowing that, that there is, there is one who is that big, um, that powerful, um, who calls me son. Cause I, I know how I feel about my kids. Um, there's not, there's nothing that they can do that um, would ever make me not love them. There's nothing that they can do that would make me love them more. Um, like they walk into the room and it makes me happy. Um, so if that's how God feels about me, what else do I need? So. Okay. Easy, easier said than done though. Yeah, yes, but what a powerful truth. And I know that there are people listening that need to hear that right now, um, no matter their faith journey, and that um, I need to, needed to hear that. And I thank you for just being faithful and brave and truthful and transparent to remind me and us of that very real powerful, raw truth that can turn around a day, that can turn around mm -hmm. 
a, a challenging moment that is the hope that we can grab onto that's solid. It's a rock, it's an anchor. And I thank you so much. And you've just been uh, a, a riveting guest to listen to. And um, I'm so glad we had this time. I hope I can have you back again. Um, was it too painful? I know we talked about a little bit like, oh, Lord, I didn't know that you necessarily wanted to, not that you didn't want to do it, but you said you were a little nervous. You didn't know. Look at, I mean, we just, the time flew, right? Yeah, it did. It did fly. It was great. So thank you. And you're a wonderful host, by the way. You really make people feel at ease. Um, so thank you. Honey bunny. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. I'm going to end okay. the episode, but I want to say goodbye. Just me and you off while we're not recording. But um, John, thank you so much. And we're going to send people your way. And I know that there's folks that are listening that will be moved by what you had to say today in many, many ways. So we um, will be praying for you and, and all that's going on in your life. And thank you for opening up and sharing it on my podcast. It's a real honor. Hang on, hon. I'm going to end this, but I, I'm going to still say goodbye to you, okay? Okay. Sometimes when I sit and visit with people that are doing things like that, I wonder if, in fact, I'm making a difference. But my heart was tugged so much when John connected me to the process of those young soldiers um, that their lives had been affected. And when he connected me to them by the relationship that John and I had had in working together when he was in high school, the investment that he referred to, I don't know, it just shook me <laughs> to the core in the best way. I uh, I thank you, John, for what it is you're doing. And we will send folks to you. I will make sure that those um, addresses are in the notes so people can follow you. And we just appreciate what um, City of Joy is doing. And we want to support you and that school. So um, folks, head on over um, and look at my notes section. I will provide all the links that are possible so that you can follow up on them and there's giving opportunities and um, and ways to support, as John mentioned. So this is yet another episode of the Terry Summers podcast that uh, will go down in history with me because it was just a, a heart-tugging, lovely conversation with John Coughlin. Go out there and like my podcast, if you would, and subscribe and comment and share. And I will see you again or actually hear you again next week. Whew.